Every day we hoistle in at Pilots and Pictards Podcast. Welcome back, hoisters, to the Pilots and Petards podcast, the podcast with nothing much ado about aircrafts, but potentially everything to do with the first episode of a filmic series. Quick disclaimer, listeners, petard is a word, it is a real word, and petards are bombs. You know, look it up, get some French culture in there, this is a European show, you can get some yourself. This is Drew, I'm the pragmatic cyclops of this podcast. And this is Jimbo, your anti-millennial non-conforming existentialist pilot critic and Kenny of the podcast and unfortunately listeners the magical motherfucking miss mo master of pilots spoilers and nostalgia boners is out this week but she'll be back next week and joining us today we have a special guest victor from the digging dexter podcast uh victor would you like to add anything uh hello everyone my name is victor i am a host of the digging dexter podcast where we review every episode of dexter where i believe you guys did the pilot just a few weeks ago and if you didn't remember listeners i recommended digging dexter podcast in the petardar so they are worth they are pilots and petards approved (laughs) very in-depth i was gonna say that's an honor to have and probably the only honor we have <laughs> nice well hey, you know you guys are you guys are still in the second season yeah we're early on so there's there's a lot of things i have to bite my tongue about if you know the show dexter oh we we talk about dexter quite yep, a bit yep. for uh for a show about pilots of different television series <laughs> we come back to dexter on quite a few occasions yeah, I bet. dexter's gonna pop up at least a couple times on on this uh episode as well yeah absolutely Thank you to the History of Literature podcast for this ad-free listening and sponsoring today's show. Uh, contact us to sponsor a show and follow our blog to participate in the pre-recorded discussions. And find us at bowidho.com because we are also a member of that podcast community. Jimbo, what are we watching today? Join us as we cast judgment and determine if the cat and mouse secret agent versus serial killer drama Killing Eve will be hoisted or not hoisted. That is the question. Our background would probably be a little brief. I never heard of this show, but when I told Mrs. Nomalous that we were going to watch it, she mentioned that she did want to watch it because she is a huge Sandra O oh fan. Yeah, and um, I'm a little bit Sandra O oh related as well. Um, she was the first Asian American woman to be nominated for a lead actress Emmy for this show. And I just heard the title of this show a few times, but I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe this should be on our radar. So that's how I heard about this show. Victor, did you have any background or knowledge? My background is you telling me about the show probably when we emailed a few weeks ago and then nice. earlier last week when you said, hey, do you want to come on for this? And I went into this blind as possible. I don't e- I didn't even know Sandra Oh. I found out about her after. <laughs> I recognize her as the Asian chick from Grace. I didn't know her name until until I did a little bit of research. All right, Hoisters, and now for a two-sentence summary. Eve is a M15 agent infatuated with female serial killers, and Villanelle is a lethal assassin. Eve and Villanelle cross paths when Villanelle has to clean up a surviving witness. Who will win? Stay tuned to find out if you should give a steaming pile of crap. Is it is it M15 or MI5? Because I feel like MI6 is another thing. Oh, maybe th- that actually probably makes more sense. Fellow Hoistlers, we're not sag into the part of the show where we do some show notes, some high points, some low points, everything in between. And Victor, you are our guest, so why don't you lead us off with whatever just jumped out the most at you from this pilot? 
I think the most pressing thing, and if you look at the poster for the show, like the 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 show image or whatnot, I mean, it has two women on it. So kind of like right from the start, I, I wouldn't say necessarily about women. And if you have a, sh- a title of a show called Killing in it, you know, you kind of know what you're getting into. But and I'm not like the biggest, you know, feminist supporter that women uh, uh, should be taking every role, or whatnot. But like, you have two badass females here. I, I mean, I don't know. You guys could tell me. You guys seem to what you know do more pilots and whatnot. But I can't think of another show that has two leading women as badass like this. And you know, we have you know Villanelle. She's <laughs> I don't even know how to say. It. She's just badass. You know, just in every just the way she goes about it. I mean, she's more badass than sometimes guys are. Men are in in shows. You know, so I thought that was definitely a high point for me. Yeah, she's a mega dynamic character, and like she gets a lot of layers in this show. You know, she gets a lot of, like, character time and exposure, and um, she definitely is not um, a cliche. Like, she has a... I think she has some depth and complexity. And the show also developed Sandra O's character in, like, a different way. But also, I liked how... Yeah, just like you're saying, like, in the same way that the the promotional material is these two women, the show is very much that. You know, so it, like, bounces back and forth. And it was kind of thrilling when they were in that one scene together, and, like, there was... Well, I'm, that's getting a little bit too into it, but it was it was very interesting how they told the story through both of their eyes. Yeah, and I have to piggyback on top of that. So we have two female leads and a ton of female supporting staff as well, and we have a female showrunner. And I think those three things really play in into the whole dynamic of, of the show. And then another thing I noticed is is we have parallel stories between this good good lady bad lady dynamic as well. So. You know, that sounds a little weird, but normally we have, like, the good guy and the bad guy. Well, this case, we have, like, the good lady and the bad lady. And I thought that was really cool as well, and how those those two characters are interacting and sim- similar. I think what I would segue into a high point for me was that I thought this was a very cool kind of, like, workplace comedy, in addition to being, like, some espionage and intrigue. I think that this show did a really good job with tonal shifts, because... There was some comedy and there was some dread and there was some dark humor, but there was also workplace stuff. And there was also espionage. So what did you guys think about the way that this show kind of like bounced around? Did you think it worked? I think I, I don't want to give away too much into my low point because we're still in high points. But the co- the comedy worked for me, but it also made me question what's what direction are they going with with the show? Uh, you know, to, to, to go on the point about the two women, to, to add to that. You know, Sandra, um, Eve, she is the dominant person in her relationship. So it's nice to see, like, they're not just badasses at work. When they come home, they're your typical, quote-unquote, you know, woman, where they're subservient to the male. Um, But that being said, and to to show that, I didn't know... The comedy worked. It just, it had me guessing, what kind of show do we have? Do we have, like, a dark woman mercenary spy show going on? Or is this, like... She's a badass villain, but she's also kind of really funny, you know? So it worked for me. I just didn't know. And this being only a pilot, I didn't know which direction it wanted. It wanted me to to take it, you know? I think there was a progression in the humor and in the tone of the show that at the very beginning, there was a lot more humor. But as the show ramped up, as it got into later parts, it did become more serious, more thrilling. And so I think that like a nice way they blended humor into the show was by having it early as a way to characterize them. Like there was some very dark humor with the assassin. There was some kind of quirkier humor with Eve. 
and that helped to define who they would be in the show. But by the end, it was just kind of like bam, 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 bam. And I, well, I'll talk about watching this show later. What do you think, Jimbo? I watched the pilot twice. The first time, I didn't think it was that funny at all. But on a rewatch, there's there's a lot of small things that I really enjoyed on on the second viewing. And kind kind of back to what you like were mentioning, Drew. There was a huge tonal shift, and so I'll just say there's a few murders. And the first murder you see on camera, I think from that point, it kind of like splits the pilot in two. It was really lighthearted before that murder, and then it gets really dark afterwards. It's funny you guys say you meant, you noticed the tonal shift. I was focusing so much on, you know, does she want to be a badass or does she want to do pranks? So it's interesting you guys, or, or at least you, Drew, picked up on like the tonal shift. I personally didn't, and I'm, I'm someone who usually notices that stuff. I mean, maybe that's a testament to the show, because I mean, sure. if you didn't necessarily, if you were with the story and your suspension of disbelief was like maintained, then I, that's a strength. I just, I, I think I may have had an experience more like yours where like upon reflection, I didn't necessarily notice those things. But when I thought about what does this pilot do, where does the story start and end? I was like, there's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of story told both implicitly and explicitly in this pilot even though I think it's like a 50 minute pilot. So, I mean, it's so slightly longer than like a 42 minute one, but still, I think, no, I think it was 42. Or oh, wow. That was a lot going on in 43 minutes. It's definitely a fast, quick moving pilot. There's they pack a lot into these 42 minutes or so. Uh, Victor, you kind of mentioned a, a possible low point. What was that? Uh, well, my low point, I, I kind of talked about already, but like, the pranks. The pranks is what kind of got me. Well, the pranks. The prank. Eve, you know, talks about she's with her husband. It's like, oh, how would you kill me? She kind of all has it down to a T. That comedy worked for me. But again, it just had me. Is she super serious spy that's going to get her her victim by the end? Or was it? Is it? And, and again, maybe the show is it's supposed to be both. Uh, but it just had me kind of I wanted one or the other. I'll make a Jimbo prediction, and I did not start or watch the second episode. I think it's going to get dark and less funny. That's that's my prediction, but I could be wrong. Ho- hopefully, I am. <laughs> I think another low point might be, and Jimbo, you and I both talked about this. There were some mega cliched cop moments, like when they get fired. <laughs> like I thought it would have been a kind of funny Eve moment if she'd like pretended to like turn in her badge and gun, you know, <laughs> to stick it to that dude, but. They passed on that joke, but it was still very, very mega cliched and not in a good way. Uh, you had mentioned the work dynamics. I guess some some of them were okay, but but Eve's whole conflict with the main boss, the nerdy white guy, and that guy was so cliche. And I guess he's doing what you're supposed to be doing. No one's supposed to like that guy. But I thought that was a bit uh, of a low point. And then especially, like, they blame Eve for the deaths. And this And this might be, like, a really subtle thing to pick up. But that is so stupid. I can't like her death. Like I mean, the death of the of the police officers and the nurses had nothing to do with her. Like the fact that she's doing something outside of her work has nothing to do with the outcome of a, of the witness being murdered, along with the staff around her. Yeah, and the the boss like quitting in solidarity. Like I was like, eh, like does that happen? I think what I liked most about the workplace stuff was when there was like the social dynamic of her not being able to talk at the meeting, you know, and like everyone kind of looking at her, there's some humor there, um, which I thought was realistic. Like my dad once told me the first time that you get invited into the big meeting, 
like bring a pad and pencil and write everything down and ask everyone how they like their coffee. So there was like, <laughs> yeah, there's a little dynamic of that in that first meeting, which I thought was cool and believable. Cause I mean, they kind of made the very interesting field mundane, which I bet it is if you go every day. I think to your point, they, the setting is mundane. I mean, that, that set is just so bland of color. And, you know, you kind of have her with her croissant and she's fidgeting and whatnot. Like, yeah, like she does add, add some, let's just say, call it comedy or, or lightness to a really drag. I mean, and most of, minus the, the villainelle scenes, everything that involves Eve is very drag and mundane. Like just the colors, it's all earth tones and it's, you know, it's, it's cloudy. You know what I mean? It's, it's a very bleak, you know, all, all of her setting, you know? Yeah, and that's and that's an awesome scene. The first time we meet Eve, that's that's a that's just a great little storyline and 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 introduction. And I I mean I don't want to just summarize and and restate the plot, but but that like her going to work on a Saturday when she's supposed to have the weekend off after Bill's birthday was just awesome. Talking about that and earth tones and like how like kind of like wet and British Eve's life is brings me to a high point, which is this was a really beautifully shot pilot. It really encompassed like a lot of aspects of Europe, you know, about how like Europe is definitely very cosmopolitan and has like a lot of like different, like, you know, areas and like Tuscany was different than London, but they did a good job of like, I think capturing like the character of the different countries while also making Europe seem a little bit more intimate, you know, like she was taking trains everywhere and she was in like London one day in Paris and like a crappy apartment another. So I thought that it was awesome tone atmosphere and location and then just to build on that the production value was great this this is a quality visually like there's a lot of really fun artsy scenes to piggyback on both of your guys points and another high point for me and i want to ask you guys if you thought the same thing the ease or how professional villanelle is when she does her kill and i never got the guy's name of the the, the gentleman in tuscany mobster Mobster. Mobster. Mobster number one, right? <laughs> um, did you guys get a Godfather vibe here? Yeah, there's huge Definitely. Godfather homage. And it, I, and I feel like it's just like, maybe it's just simple that they're in Italy and there's a party, right? And there's like a grandfather, grandson thing going on. Right, right. They, just all of it. I was he just was like, so why? Just when I was so much meaner than Don Corleone, though. Like, I was like, <laughs> yeah. what an yeah. asshole. So watch this pilot. You'll be like, you'll be like, hey, why is that guy an asshole? You'll see. Yeah, (laughs) and you know just the ease of her kill and how professional she is because you know from the from the the start of of this of this particular scene you're just like how is she going to do this and you know she's in the house already you know whereas she would have been outside and just the way she climbs up and everything you're like how is she going to do this and the tension in that scene is definitely a high point for me just like how is she going to do this and when she when she does it you know spoiler alert yeah that 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 was a, a really high point for me with Villanelle. Now we're treading to my MVP territory. You know, you know, let me just add one more thing. I think the, the show has a, a pretty strong finish as well. Let me, let me piggyback one more thing again with your hospital as another high point, Uh really creepy scene. The phone ringing is such a perfect, albeit cliche sort of moment, but really creepy just to see everyone hanging out. I think that was a perfectly executed scene. In fact, I was shocked that there was still 10 minutes left when that yeah. scene took place. Because I was like, dang, that's the end right there. I That was a great scene. but And that and that's an that's a MVP-type scene that didn't make our MVPs. No, it did not. 
It was still great. Good good point, Victor. Um, so now, Whistlers, we're going to move into the Crabman Award. Hey, Earl. Hey, Crabman. And Jimbo, for new listeners, what is a Crabman Award? So Crabman is going to be for a character of some type of intellectual being that gives way more than they take, typically very little amount of screen time, but very big contributions or performance. And we've had crab men, crab women, crab X. I wanted to have giant crab robots. Jimbo hated that idea. But we did have a crab bureaucratic alien. Yes, we did. Oh, Rick and Morty episode. Okay. Victor, do you want to think about this or do you have an idea? You know, I, I struggled a little bit and, and credit to you guys for being able to select one every episode because I was sort of we struggling. Haven't, actually, we had a couple crabless pilots. I'm gonna I'm gonna split mine into to to form one person if I could do crab child okay. and I have the two children in this episode. Oh, the, the the little the little girl in the beginning because she 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 sells off what Villanelle is like. Yes, yeah, she's pretty. You think the little girl and she's laughing and you know you're in an ice cream shop so you're laughing you're you know you're enjoying and bam right in her face <laughs> the ice cream you know which is just a great a great opening scene. And the other half of my crab child is the little kid in the Tuscany house. Oh, yeah. yeah. That would be a good one. Yeah. How perfectly she uses that kid and how, I mean, I, you know, how the hell you get child actors to act, you know, who knows? But yeah, it just sell, sells it completely. Yeah, I, I just really liked th- those two, like, kind of like, is like the, uh, to your point, the not in like when you're tying a shoe, you know, those two kids to me. I would even say there's there's about probably five potential crab nominees in this pilot. I think another non honorable mention is is Villanelle's neighbor, the old lady that <laughs> yeah. calls her an asshole. That yep. that lady <laughs> that lady should be a crab a crab nominee. And in fact, I'm I'm considering switching mine. Mm. So I did have a little girl at the ice cream shop, and what I think was interesting was I think they were demonstrating that whole. Uh, one of those apocryphal stories about sociopaths that like they can't smile or they can't yawn when other people do it. That might not actually be true, but I think that's what it was like talking about. But now I kind of like the little grandson um, in the Tuscan Villa because, man, that is so dark and twisted on a lot of levels. You know, well, let me put a wrench in this whole situation. What In like a very short answer, why does Villanelle get pissed at the little girl in the opening scene? Spoiler, listeners. Ugh. <sighs> I don't think she's pissed. I think she does it because she can. Okay, fine. Why does she, she can? Tip? Okay. Okay, because she can. Okay. Victor? Oof, you know, you know, I was thinking that and then the show moved so quickly that I thought it was going to be answered and not till right now I'm realizing that really doesn't get answered in this in this episode. In my head if I could formulate something it's just sort of like I never had that childhood. So I'm going to ruin this little moment of your childhood. And I'm assuming in the later episodes, maybe her backstory gets filled in. If you notice, Villanelle is kind of smiling with the girl. And then the little girl looks at the worker, the guy at the ice cream shop. And she starts laughing and smiling with her. And all of a sudden, Vill- Villanelle's face turns cold. <laughs> oh, because yeah, she made a friend. And then she was like, fuck you, be my friend. Yeah, she's pissed that the little girl is interacting with the ice cream guy. I hadn't thought of that. Her. That's interesting. That's funny. Now, so okay, so that's why I was thinking about not nominating the ice cream guy because he has very little screen time, and then he 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 kind of stirs up some stuff. But you know what? I do like that old lady that's that's hunched backed over, and she's carrying these like two big bags, and Villanelle's <laughs> just like antagonizing her, and the lady's calling her an asshole. So that's that's going to be my crab 
crab lady crab nominee. Um, Victor, <laughs> if you are down to put your full support behind little mobster grandboy, that is where my vote will lie too. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm splitting mine to to form a full crab crab man. If I could if I could formulate two kids together, we can't nominate two unless they're twins. Well, then then little gangster grandchild's getting one point five votes. He... <laughs> It sounds like by extremely split decision, we have little grandson going home with a crab man. Okay, crab sounds. <laughs> Let's move into our most valuable part of the pilot. And for any new listeners, this could be anything on scene, behind the scenes. It can be a person. It could be a specific scene. It could be anything, any part of the pilot. Drew, would you like to start us off? What is your MVP? Yep. So my MVP was a character and it was Martins, um, the Russian bureau chief. Like she had a really cool aura about her throughout the episode. She really carries that conclusion you were talking about, Jimbo, the one that like sucks you into the next episode. And then the thing that I like too, and this will lead me to my Pitardar, is I feel like in terms of like espionage and spies, there's like two polars. You know, there's like James Bond and like helicopters and like shooting machine guns and on the other side is like la Carre, like tinker taylor soldier spy and like the mundanity and like the very important but boring nature of actual espionage and she was very much on the la Carre side which is cool i like one or the other but i don't like the middle and so it makes me hopeful for this show that she is so far on the yeah spies are kind of like bureaucrats but it's also kind of really intense too so she was my um mvp for that very balanced performance what do you think she's such a boring woman dude, dude that woman's guess got what like, that's so probably what spies are like man i know no that's i think that's great character yeah those are some good yeah. character traits but that's what sold me like it was just like yeah. mega realistic but also like <laughs> she was so matter of fact about like you know now you work for me can you imagine hang- hanging out with her like going like inviting her over for dinner <laughs> no that that's that's the cool part i, just, I, I picture you just hear a lot of f- forks clanging yeah. against plates <laughs> and to your to, to your point drew um she sells the point of like you're gonna want your husband to start thinking you're having an yeah, affair that was cool. <laughs> which is like that's badass to like you know as a selling point and look how happy eve gets off that fact <laughs> you know <laughs> Yeah, this is this is something we may come back to in the dangling threads as well. Well, I'm ready to move into my MVP. And mine is I almost wanted to give it to the writing because I think this was a a pretty well-written pilot, but I'm going to give it to something a little more specific. And Villanelle's dialogue is so awesome. Whenever she talks with someone, that was like my favorite part of the pilot. And she talks with her her mobster her boss, handler. her handler. Yeah. I loved her dialogue. And the way she interacts with people. Or maybe you were talking about Jimbo. Like, why did she knock the ice cream into the girl's lap? Like, it seemed like almost every single one of, like, Villanelle's choices and dialogue was just because she could. Like, just kind of weird. Like, you know, she tells Eve that one thing. And then she, like, tries to play that odd prank, you know? So, like, every time she did choose to communicate, it was, like, very strange. And I think it added to her character. Like, we learned more about her weirdness via the things she said than if she like turned to the camera and like talked about her weird past yeah and listeners if you are interested in villanelle's character we we are gonna dive in and analyze her a little more in petard trivia so stick around so kind of like the way you guys kind of started me off and then i just kind of real when you said most valuable part 
and, and I'm kind of piggybacking off you, Jimbo. I kind of have like Villanelle's taste because we said we were going to bring up Dexter. What makes these assassins or these serial killers or, you know, whatever in these in these type of shows, what really adds to their complex is what they're into. You know, we didn't talk about how, you know, on one of the scenes, she finds this silk, uh, could I say, comforter, for lack of yeah, a better sure. terms. Bedspread. And then you see later in the episode, she got her own. And, you know, there's a scene where there's a, like a little bloodstain on her watch. Um the other the other scene where we haven't discussed yet where she's just unexplicably in bed with three other people there's a lot of layers to her which kind of formulate the idea of like this is a really complex and badass woman there's a lot of layers going on here and she also plays pranks where you know she pretends she's dead <laughs> like you know so she just her her aura i guess i guess i'll say it, instead of com- her taste her aura of just you know, she she's really well put together as a woman. And uh, Eve says it like, you know, the person who did this was probably very unassuming. That's that's Villanelle, you know. She's very... You would never think in a million years the things she does in this pilot. Yeah, she really makes the show. She she was my MVP, but then I, I switched it because we all had characters as our MVPs. She definitely shows more than she tells, and... I think it was interesting how they chose to shoot her, too. Like, I feel like a lot of, like, um, scenes with Eve were straightforward, like, a non-moving camera. Whereas, like, there's a lot of, like, dynamism when they were showing Villanelle. And she also, like, did more things. Like, she was climbing and riding a bike and had a motorcycle and, like, was just always on the move and always, like, doing things. Eating, too. Yeah, exactly. She was doing, like, really cool stuff. Whereas Eve, yeah, was living that very pedestrian life. So that was another kind of way they were, like um compared to each other all right i think i think that wraps up most valuable part and so now listeners the moment before the moment we've all been waiting for are we going for in our case are we going to watch this series drew what's it going to be yeah i think i am um i liked the pilot a lot um i'm between shows right now um i'm on a brooklyn 99 binge but it's very episodic so i can slide something else in and it's only seven more episodes. And, you know, Sandra Oh was nominated for Best Lead Actress, so I want to see kind of where her character goes. And I thought this was a tight pilot. I'm in. What do you guys think? Victor, what do you think? Are you going to watch episode two within the next couple weeks? You know, the best way I could describe it, and again, I I've, was sort of saying this when we were discussing low points, is I had a, I had a problem of which way the show wanted me to go. And the perfect way I could put that into 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 a summary is you know the opening scene eve wakes up and she's screaming and then you can't turn to find out she just fell asleep on her arms so uh if i could go on a little bit of a rant slash tangent i have this problem sometimes with the marvel movies i don't know if you guys watch them but nothing is ever too serious you know and then i'm getting really deep here but like you know you contrast that with like the the nolan batman films if you know what i'm talking about that was a very dark world versus marvel where Almost everything has no consequences, you know, at the end of it. To bring that back to this show, like, everything... I wanted it to be one or the other. A really dark show where she's a badass and Eve is, you know, trying to to, to chase this person she doesn't know yet. Or is it going to be a light-hearted... Marvel movie? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, is this going to be Guardians of the Galaxy versus Infinity War? And I wanted it to be one or the other. Um... And, you know, I don't have no idea what's going to happen the next episode. 
And that's usually a good thing for me. That keeps me intrigued. There's just something about this pilot that just did not have me intrigued enough to go search out that second episode. Unfortunately, despite the really cool moments of Villanelle, I don't think, I don't think in a week or two, if I'm trying to, you know, find the show, whatnot, I don't think I'm going for, for a rewatch or a watch for that matter. Oh, that was my favorite joke. Cause like, I don't know. It just hit home with me because I hated that joke. I have I have it here in my notes. Happens to me all the time, and that is <laughs> no, a big deal. No, I have deal. this irrational fear that, like, when I, my feet fall asleep, I always have this fear that someone's going to come kick me, you know? And, like, you're very vulnerable. And so, <laughs> like, the fact that she was freaking out like that, like, I, I actually tend to, like, read around students a lot. And so, like, if it's time to go back to the classroom and I'm like, oh, shit, we got to go, like, sometimes, like, one or both of my feet are asleep. And I'm just like, if these kids knew, they would, like, prey on that weakness. So... I, I totally have very strong reactions to limbs, you know, getting that blood back. <laughs> I'm on the fence as far as watch or rewatch. I'll watch it if Miss Nomalous wants to watch it. If she doesn't, I don't see myself watching the second episode. I mean, I still haven't watched the second episode of Better Call Saul. And that's been one of the tightest pilots that, that we've seen recently. Jimbo, I can let you know by that second episode. I'll probably watch two or three more episodes this weekend. Okay. Um, Jimbo, married with children? No, not yet. Uh. Married with children is probably in my top five or ten. Not by action. Okay. Hoisters, and now, the moment we've all been waiting for. To hoist or not to hoist? That is the question. And Victor, what is it? What's your judgment, sir? I am hoisting this. Mm. The, the Again, su- summarizing it like I tried to do for Watch or Rewatch. This is like... You're you're eating dinner and you have so you you know your very basic Sunday Italian dinner sauce and pasta and I can't tell what it's missing salt or garlic you know I just didn't know while I know I wanted it to be one or the other there was just something in here that just just didn't keep me from not hoisting it if I could say it's a very ethnic specific metaphor yep <laughs> thank you for bringing me into your world. We 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 were in Tuscany after all, you know. Right. Yeah, you're yeah, right. great. You're right. Great right. So, there you go, Drew. I think we know where you stand. Yeah, I mean, I'm not hoisting because this show was just like impressive in a lot of ways, and like my high points were like pretty high. Like some things were very cool. I don't know. I kind of I would disagree with like not the show not necessarily knowing what it is because I feel like the last 20 minutes are tight. You know, whereas like the first, I think 15 or 20 minutes are pretty loose, but. What if every episode was like that, though? What if every episode there was like a shift at some point where you have like the like a two face episode like that could get old real, real quick. I don't think it's going to do that, but. Yeah, I would say I don't think a lot of shows do that. I think that like this is something we see in pilots, which is like the setup, because we say that pilots do like those three things, like tell a story you know, get you to watch the next episode and introduce the characters and concepts. I think that the levity is introducing the characters and concepts. And I think that there's going to be a lot more character based humor moving forward, but I don't know. I just know that this show has been lauded, you know, critically. And so that would make me think that that, that gives this, me more faith in the show, but that's not viewing the show in a vacuum. I would still not hoist because I liked it. And the humor hit me in a place that seems like it may not have hit you guys like with the limbs asleep and also i do like mcu <laughs> movies um so maybe i'm a little more inclined no i'm not hoisting i think this show like does enough things correctly that i'm intrigued i was really on the fence after my first viewing but after watching it a second time it, it really sold the uh, pilot and so i'm gonna say not hoist 
All right, so let's 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 see if we can move into our next section and, and place this somewhat quickly so we don't bore Victor too much. So now, listeners, we're moving into our quest for the best and worst pilots ever. And Drew, can you just you know maybe give a brief description as to what what we got going on here? Yes. Uh, so, Victor, what we've been doing for the last thirty six episodes is well, not thirty six, but for every pilot we've watched, we have an ever growing list with the end of the effing world as our number one pilot that we have liked the most is the best pilot ever. And Buffy the Vampire Slayer landing squarely at number 35. Um, (laughs) Do not watch that first episode. And any hoisters out there, you can find this list on our website and it's almost always up to date. Yes, it is. Um, And and there's a lot of discussion there. You know, we, we always get back to that one and have a lot of talk, but we'll make this fast because if you haven't watched every pilot, maybe it's not as much fun. So one thing that we discussed before the show was that this pilot was better than Lost. I would agree. Yeah. Um, I think Lost might be a ceiling because that's like our number 17. So it's squarely in the middle. What What do you think is the best show that this one competes with, Jimbo? And we'll go from there. I have to put it below Dexter. Yep. I'm, I'm thinking it is around the shield. Nostalgia boners aside, I think, I think it goes above X-Men. Uh-huh. We might need to separate My Name is Earl and X-Men, mostly because I'm filled with anger and rage every time I see that. I should have fought harder, but the, <laughs> the list is the list. The only reason I would push for Above Shield is just because I think that the workplace dynamics and the topic and commentary of Killing Eve is a little bit more interesting to me than The Shield. You know, there's a lot of, like, cop-based stuff out there, so The Shield isn't exactly unique, whereas... You know, a British workplace dramedy about female assassin serial killers is a little cooler, in my opinion. What would you say to that, Jimbo? The Vic Mackey antihero was not uh, was not a cliche at the time. I will give you the antihero as the protagonist, but I would push back on a cop show being original in, like, 2005. I'm saying the dynamics of this cop show. You have, like, a bunch of dirty cops, but I think the Vic Mackey tax- task force is kind of something different. All right. Like, you know, Dirty Harry goes to television with his crew okay. of flunkies. But, you know what? I mean, I'm not <laughs> necessarily... I could I could go either way, actually. Dude, I mean, if if you feel strongly about it being above S.H.I.E.L.D., I could give it to that because... What about, what about Killing Eve directly behind S.H.I.E.L.D.? I could do that. I think you're going to watch the second episode after I text you about it, but okay. Unless it sucked. You, well, we'll see. Unless- Quest for the best, <laughs> that is Killing Eve... Coming in at number nine. That's a that's a top ten pilot. It sure is. All right. So, um, that takes us into the second segment or the second part of our show, uh, which is more about like some topics surrounding the show, like show adjacent, but not necessarily part of the show. So, uh, Victor, could you could you introduce the next part of our show in your best morning FM drive time radio voice? And now, no. That's stri- that's strip club. Oh, guy. That They're pretty works. close. They're cousins. Yeah, <laughs> that works, man. Yeah. So it's our Stormy Daniels dangling threads. Sorry, I think we forgot to exactly. mention that. Okay. So Stormy Daniels dangling threads <laughs> of interest. Of interest. Yeah, get it. There. And now to the main stage, dangling threads of interest. There you go. Nice. Okay. I like that. To the main stage. Ooh, we should keep that, dude. I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow that. <laughs> All right, and Victor Victor had an interesting dangling thread. You want to toss that out there, Victor? There's a scene where 
uh, Villanelle is getting undressed, and we see she has a a bulletproof bra. And it's not like it's definitely not made to be sexy or anything like that, but you can tell it's bulletproof. And you know, kind of knowing what she does, um, I found that really interesting. In that, you know, uh, uh, how wrote our cop shows and all that, I had never seen that before. Never, and it, it makes total sense that they have those out there. Never occurred to me. I didn't even notice that, and I watched the pilot twice. Um, I did notice that, and I thought it was very interesting, and so. What I'm looking up right now is a company called Women on Guard, um, which is uh, female-specific um, self-defense items and whatnot. And there seems to be quite the industry. So I, I did notice that because Jimbo, in that scene, she like uses Velcro to like unstrap it. Hmm. So I thought that was a very cool scene. And, and there appears to be a booming uh, women's self-defense and... Uh, you know, survival gear uh, business going on here. Way to go, internet. How much is it on your site over there? Because while you're on there, I'm at a website called gungoddess.com, and forgive me if... Uh, and $62. Uh, oh, this place has one for 327 Yeah, that's the one. And another for $159. Dude, I don't want to buy the cheapest bulletproof vest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Now, now granted, where it, you is, don't it skimp is less out material, on. so, you know... But still, yeah, no, you don't want to. You don't want to pinch pennies if you're planning on getting shot. <laughs> I read somewhere, and you guys might know this. It's just like facts on top of your head. I think I read somewhere that like Kevlar is a. It's not like a metal plate. It's like a very tightly woven material. And then actually, after a Kevlar vest is taken one bullet, it's or in one incident, it kind of compromises. Yeah, it's worthless. The integrity. Okay. Oh wow. That's yeah, you don't want to get shot twice. <laughs> cool that is that's an urban myth that i now know is true oh uh, cool jimbo what do you have for some dangling threads i have i have a few let's let's uh of course i have a i have a dexter comparison let's let's save that for last i'll throw two out there okay so okay so spoiler listeners the the two characters meet each other in the episode and they don't expect the other person to be an adversary so that's so it's not just that men have assumptions about women, but also women have assumptions about women as well. I would push back on that simply because the show makes it a point that Eve suspects a woman early. Eve sticks with it. And like, that's kind of like part of her resolve as a character. So yes, but she doesn't expect that woman in the bathroom with her. No, but I mean, that's my point. It's, it's because she's wearing a uniform. Like she well, looks like what she's do you expect supposed her to, to be wear? There. A Punisher shirt. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I think that's a cool character beat in terms of, like, the randomness of life. Like, there's a million people that... Dude, how often do you look at people in the bathroom when you're in the bathroom at the movies, bro? Like, you're kind of in there to do a job and then, like, kind of move on out. Like, I'm not there to keep a, the only witness to a murder that I'm investigating safe. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I assume those guards and that okay, nurse had bathroom okay, Drew. breaks. You yeah. are an agent. You think that your your job is to protect someone. You expect a woman to be the the killer, and this there's a very high security clearance to keep this woman alive. Uh-huh. You're not going to have your guard up. I mean, come on, man. I think she got weirded out by Villanelle because like there's that thing. Did she come out of the stall that had like um, temporarily out of service, and did she put that up so she could change into her murder outfit? 
Oh, I didn't even. Think I didn't notice that. that either, but probably. I tried to pay attention to that, and I was like, maybe that's why Sandra O oh was a little bit freaked out at that point. But they don't, you know, they they do more showing and telling in that scene. It's a really cool scene, I think, it and is I think a cool it's scene. it's a nice character touch that they do have that moment. Does Villanelle know who that who Eve is and why she's there? I don't think she does. That's my other side to that question. She should know that she's she's an assassin. And you know what? She doesn't kill Eve in the bathroom. She should. There's no. The, she's already made the mistake of leaving a witness alive. She does it again. Uh, she still killed that guy in a public place, and then she couldn't have killed every single person. I she know. should have killed Eve in the bathroom. Eve saw her at at the hospital. But how does she know? When they're in the bathroom scene, and they look at each other, and there's this moment where us, the audience, we're like, "Oh shit." And Villanelle, to the point, she's staring at her to the point where Eve has to go, are you okay? Like, what's going on here? How, but, but, like, Eve is lower level MI5. Yeah, she's an assistant. How would, how would Villanelle, nonetheless, anyone else know who or what she is? Yeah, I don't think Villanelle would know, because it seems like, like, it seems like she's the assistant who carries out the duties. Like, that guy ordered the other guy to take care of protection, so Eve's boss ordered her to, like, make sure that shit got done. It raises suspicion in Villanelle because she... It's the first time in the pilot, right, where we see she's startled. Kind of. You know, I mean, but, like, I, what, what, why, yeah. I guess. is, And maybe that gets answered later, future episodes. Like, do I kill this chick or not? And she decided not to. Interesting. I think it's also... I think it does rattle her a bit because... Um, uh, because the handler said make it look like suicide and like that yeah it's not a very <laughs> suicidal thing that happened so i mean yeah you're right. maybe she did realize there was more going on i don't know um but i mean that's kind of pulling me in that'll that'll be very interesting to watch i think that's that's one of those that's a scene to that makes you want to keep watching um, so I did a little bit of research on female assassins because that was something that Sandra O's uh, character was super into. Um, and actually, uh, there was some very interesting articles lately because I don't know if you guys remember this, but in 2014, um, in the Macau airport, Kim Jong-un's brother, um, Kim Jong-nam, was sprayed um, with ricin by two female assassins. Um, and so that was like a very high, pro- high profile international assassination that occurred early, um, recently, that's a word. Um, and so the Telegraph had an interesting article about the seven most famous female assassins. So these are, these are all real, not fictional characters. Yeah. The first one they had was this interesting woman named Xi Jinping. After Sun Yat-sen liberated China from the royal family, but before the communists took over, um, Xi's father was a military officer and he was killed by a warlord. Um, she basically took it upon herself to um, avenge her father by tracking down the warlord, shooting him three times. And then she didn't flee the scene. She had pamphlets prepared for why she killed the warlord. <laughs> and she stayed at the scene of the crime and handed out the pamphlets. That's and badass. then, yeah. And then she was pardoned in 1936 because she committed the murder out of filial piety. Nice, and Drew, we we uh, do not have time to do all of these. Do you you want <laughs> one more? One more. Okay. So the second biggest one was Matahari, which is a word I've heard before, but I never knew what it meant. Um, apparently, she was an exotic dancer who, during World War One, betrayed the French 
to give a bunch of intelligence to Germany, and she was directly responsible for 50,000 French soldiers' deaths. And so she was executed in um, 1917. So there's an interesting history if you want to find it. We can link to that in the show notes. Yes, okay. We'll definitely put a link to that. All right, sorry. I got excited. <laughs> no, yeah, no. It's it's a very exciting topic, but that's that's even dangling a little you know a little too much for us to listen to you read an article <laughs> I, oh, I thought, I thought I would, you guys would bounce off it victor did a good job he was a sport okay yeah <laughs> there were like three more i want to talk about it's okay let's let's transition to something a little more lighthearted. if you were a woman how would you kill your husband and let's l- l- let's try and keep it somewhat brief so i mean she's basically asking and this is a question people ask which is if you had to commit murder and get away with it what if you're a woman do? killing a man, oh, if you're that's a your husband. Man? You're I a mean, woman, Drew. You want to kill your husband, and you don't want to get caught. How are you going to do it? I feel like you could fiddle with the brakes. You know, not cut a brake line, because that's kind of obvious. But, like, there's got to be a way to, like, this one time, I took my car in after hearing this, like, whining sound for, like, a month. And they were like, it's a good thing you did, because, like, your brakes were wearing down to the point where, like, your wheel was going to, like, my brake wheel was, like, going to touch the thing, and, like, my wheel would have come off. And they, they thought I was very stupid. They're like, why didn't you bring this in before? And I was like, yeah. So I feel like there's something you got to be able to do with the car. Thoughts? I feel like you run a big risk of it not yeah. going well. And them surviving. Big, big risk of surviving. But there's a, there's not a lot of suspicion. People die in car accidents all the time. Yeah, that's I think you have risk. high risk, that's high reward. Suspicion. You know, you, you do run a very high risk of survival and, and whatnot and... That's tangible, right? Like I could go ahead and see that someone cut the brake line or whatever. Um, something a little bit more that's better than that, like maybe like shaving something down. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, sure, sure, sure. All right, what about you guys? I think you want to have a body. I think having a missing person is is not gonna. That's gonna look too suspicious. So so Eve is Eve has this really crazy story where she's gonna pour the body after she blended it and boiled it down a public restroom like that's that that's a bad idea yeah. what kind of blender do you have eve that like yeah a super bone? blender <laughs> yeah i know my blender you'd have to blend it like and move it and take it to a public restroom like 20 or 30 times yeah. also <laughs> i have i have a food ninja which is a nice blender i don't think it would cut human bone i don't that's true that's why you boil it man you got to boil the bones first buddy are you making like human pho yeah, dude. For one, that's going to take a long ass time yeah. too. I'm I'm definitely looking for a lot quicker way. Those are to weird do it. smells as well. Ugh. I'm going to go on the dark net, and I'm going to order the Russian uh, poison that that gives you a heart attack. Oh, never mind. I thought you, I thought you meant assassin. I was like, that's what every 2020 no. is about, where they film it from the glove compartment of people like hiring someone else to kill their spouse. No, no, no. I'm just going to order uh-huh. that that poison that gives you a heart attack. And more than likely, they see a, a man dies of a heart attack. They're not going to check him for, for secret Russian poisons. Talk to Vladimir Putin. <laughs> Get that radioactive poison. All right, Victor, you've heard two two attempts. What are you going to do? You want to kill your husband and you're a woman. Wow. Um, you know, ju- just before we started recording, my girlfriend made me – we made salads. I mean – how per, you know you, you mentioned ricin and i'm imagining ricin's pretty hard to get your hands on but i mean if 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 um if i'm a woman and i'm making my my husband a meal i know you run the risk of of you know the the blood tox for lack of a better word but um i feel like that's at least a way to for it to happen and not 
have blowback. I guess meaning men are stronger than women, so you go the the most uh subtle route, I guess, if I would say. Yeah, nice. Yeah, Drew. I think if you if you find yourself in a, as a woman in the next life and you want to mm-hmm. if you want to take out your husband, I would follow Victor and I's approach and not mess with the brakes. Oh, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> physical strength is one thing. Other things are strong as well. I don't know, man. Um, I was thinking too, like around food. What if you go to a sushi place, you get the fugu, and you kind of like mess with the plate, and you're like, "Here, eat this." And then the sushi restaurants fall, and they pay you. <laughs> or if you're a real sicko, you get 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 behind the scenes for and poison a few people. So now uh, it's not yeah. your fault. Yeah. Now it's now it's someone more than likely some sicko that works there got fired or something. You know. Yep. And you're, yeah, you're you're making it you're making it tough. You're muddying the waters. Okay, well, that's, that's a good dangling thread. Are you want to talk about Dexter? Yeah, let's yeah, let's talk about Dexter. Nice. Okay. Okay. I just want to focus on the two openings, and we all know, you know, one of our favorite pilots for Dexter. Very dark opening. Dexter is the protagonist. He kills someone in that opening. The opening of Killing Eve. There's no death. There's a lot of colors going on, and the the protagonist knocks. A little girl's ice cream into her shirt so like what i mean like that's to me that's such a bizarre way to start a show that's about a psychopath and a serial killer slash crime drama yeah but that's only if like if you think that like killing and like stabbing is like the coolest thing making things like really horary like makes it like more mature or more deep i can see that i don't necessarily I wouldn't compare the two openings. I would compare the two pilots because Dexter does a good job, like starting dark and then getting light and then getting dark again. Whereas like we talked about some of the shifts in like killing Eve, you know, is like moving between points. So I think that Dexter, I think that Dexter has the highs, lows in the comedy too. Dexter goes dark and gets light. I think it's important to add to Dexter, and I, I, I believe we don't have this with Killing Eve. You have Michael C. Hall coming off of Six Feet Under, where he plays a gay funeral director. So off the bat, you have to change who he is. You have to let the, uh, the uh, viewer yeah, know, because okay. that's the only way everyone knows Michael C. Hall. So right off the bat, you have to get, you have to, you know, tell the viewer, this is the world you're in now. Michael C. Hall isn't crying about funerals or, you know, his boyfriend, nothing. He is, you know, going to cut your fucking eyelids off, <laughs> you know? Uh, whereas I think much like Killing Eve, if, if I could compare the, 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 the opening scenes, and I think it's a lot, and, and we've talked about it, and it's said in the show, unassuming. It's a huge gasp moment when she knocks the ice cream over. It's, what, what, you know? Um, and that's and that's just the I guess sort of the theme of this pilot is just like unassuming. I guess Dexter is also unassuming, but we're coming at it from two different angles. I'll, I'll say this too. I think I think that Dexter does a better job of like maintaining a tone, whereas like Killing Eve has these high highs and these low lows. You know, so I mean, not necessarily like low lows is in like parts of it are bad. It's just more like Killing Eve had like a lot of humor and like a, some more vulgarity, whereas like Dexter's Part of the horror of Dexter was like he was just such a regular dude when he was like interacting with other people. It's just that he understood how how to interact with other people. I think that Villanelle didn't have an inner di- inner dialogue, and that if the show was more Villanelle focused, that we would have gotten a more Dextery feel. What do you think about that? 
I'm glad she didn't have an internal dialogue. Oh, I mean, I'm I am too. I think it was very cool the way she did it, but I think that we would have gotten more Dexter vibe if the show had been more from her point of view as opposed to her and Eve. Yeah, I think I think that's one of Dexter's biggest problems is the internal monologue kind of creates a lot of contradictions throughout the series, especially. If I can piggyback on that and to make this not too much about Dexter, television viewers are smarter than ever now. Yeah. You don't have to wait for the reruns like next spring. <laughs> right. Like, you know, and, and Dexter did a lot of that's the bad guy. I'm going to kill him. I like I like almost having no idea. Let me ask you a question. And it's <laughs> it's funny. I'm asking this at the end. Is this supposed to be spoiler free? because i totally spoil in the middle and i and i we like try not to spoil and talk too much at the beginning but okay. if anyone if anyone's a regular listener they know yeah. if they really want spoiler free they need to watch it before yeah. they listen yeah yeah because i i know i spoiled a, a scene in tuscany and to to, to go back to it I, I guess i won't spoil it um it's out there go for it yeah whatever, <laughs> it's it's i think uh you know it, uh, uh inner monologue would have ruined that scene in tuscany because there's a lot of tension and having no idea what's going on when she's gonna quote unquote do it um yeah i i think i think uh an inner monologue would have ruined that that's a really good point Victor, have you or your co-host read the Dexter books? My 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 co-host, my girlfriend, she has never seen the show, so I'm taking her totally blind into it. I've read all the books, yes. I read the first book and I attempted the second book. I think the show does a much better job curbing and limiting the internal dialogue, whereas like the author, like I think it's Jeff Lindsay, yeah, those books. I that was what really super mega turned me off because like. The internal monologue in the Dexter books is so smarmy and like so yeah. weird and yeah, like I am very happy that they toned it way the fuck down for the show, which Jimbo, you still think it's a bit of an issue in the show, like these books. Yeah, I, I yeah. Yeah, they they suck. <laughs> Alright, so now listeners, we're gonna move into our Petardar for anyone still with us that is new. This is recommendations we have based off of the pilot episode for Killing Eve titled Nice Face. Um, so what jumps out to me, and this kind of like uh, relates to my MVP, is um, I very much enjoy the realistic spy novels and like spy fiction. So like John Le Carre is an awesome writer. Almost all of his books uh, really do deal with like the day-to-day life of spies. Uh, even though some exciting things happen, there's still like a lot of cool details uh, the two most famous John Le Carre books are Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which is a really cool PBS um, miniseries with Alec Guinness or a more modern movie with Gary Oldman. And then Smiley's People is the last book of the Smiley's trilogy. Uh, there are more modern uh, John Le Carre books, which deal with like post-Cold War espionage. And two of the best ones are Absolute Friends and Mission Song. So those are really cool books and pieces of media. So I'm I'm gonna nominate a TED talk by by John Ronson called "Strange Answers to the Psychopath Test." It is a humorous story, and of course, it talks about psychopaths. And then I'm also gonna put on for my personal petardar. I haven't seen it yet, but I want to check out Fleabag at some point, and that is starring Phoebe Waller-Bridge. So she's an actress. 
and she's the main character in this series, and she's also a writer, a producer. Now I can't recall. I, I think she was a producer, but she was the showrunner and one of the producers for Killing Eve. As respect to her, I'd like to put something that she did in the Petardar. The whole Hannibal series sort of paved the way for this kind of show, but Clary Starling, a strong woman, and I guess if you read the books, they're they're a little a side adapter of of the movies. Um, God, Red Dragon doesn't even have Clary Starling in it, but um, I guess that's the closest recommendation I could give to this. If I was, if you were interested in strong female leads, I guess Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal. Silence of the Lambs has been petardard before. Yep. Oh, that was that, that was Drew's Rex for uh, Dexter. So that's so you know you're in good company. Sure. And then listeners just just to throw it out there, of course Dexter and Into the Fucking World could definitely be in there. Yeah. All right, hoisters. And so now we're going to move into Petard trivia. And scrapping down at the bottom, we have we have our our hoister Woo! Drew is trying to work his three way three. back up. Yep. Going to claw my way up the rankings. Our guest first time first time Petard trivia contestant Victor, I did give him a bit of a you know a bit of a preview or I mean a, a bit of a heads uh, up. Uh-huh, so so uh-huh. he he has been somewhat warned, I think. A little advantage going to the guest apparently. No. <laughs> Collusion. Or two weeks ago, our special guest stole one of my answers or questions during during the show. So so I was a little prepared. I have a few extra questions. All right. All right. So these questions are obviously trivial, and you know we could have anything from closest answer, best answer. Drew's buzzer is going to go like this, and Victor's buzz is going to go like this. Car. Nice. <laughs> nice. nice. That's a good one. Nice. Question number one. Okay, this is a two-part question. According to TED speaker John Ronson, what percent of the population are psychopaths, and what percent of CEOs are psychopaths? Closest answer will win buzz. this question. Mm. Drew, so you're 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 giving me two numbers between zero and one hundred. I would say three percent of the population are psychopaths, and I would say eleven percent of the CEOs are psychopaths. Victor, would you like to come in for the steal? Closest answers will win. Closest. Oh, see, my strategy was just going to go one dollar here. Yes, that um, is the unhonorable <laughs> strategy of the dickhead next to the honorable player at Price is Right. If you want to go complete dickish, I would go with either two and ten or four and twelve. Let's go two and ten. No, no, no honor, no honor over here. No honor. <laughs> Victor's gonna steal that point, ah. Drew. We have, we have. My goodness. <laughs> okay. According to to the TED speaker, we have one percent of the population okay. and four percent of CEOs. Wow. Yeah. So if you know a hundred people, you probably know one psychopath. If you're a middle school teacher and you have 180 students, you have about 1.8 psychopaths in your class. I had like 400 last year. So So you had three or four. Okay. Question number two. What song did Bill and Eve sing at the end of Bill's birthday Uh, party? Drew. Wow. A whole new world. That is the correct answer. Drew just stepped in. Back in the game. Drew just stepped in. We have a 1-1 tie here going into question number three. I think you got two points in the first one because you got one percent was closer than th- or two percent was closer than three. Yeah, yeah. Um, I said it was, was a two part question. I didn't say it was oh, two one points. Point. I'll oh. give an extra point, Drew. If you no, want. No, 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 no. Okay, so 
We have a tie here, one one. All right. Going into question number three. Okay, this is going to be most precise answer wins. Answer gets the point. One point. Villanelle's boss reprimands her for her previous two killings. How did Villanelle respond? Go ahead, Victor. By repeating exactly what he was going to say. Drew, would you like to come in and try and get a steal here? Mm, Buzz. Go ahead, Drew. Damn, just got it. Oh, no. Um, I didn't. Uh, But I think (laughs) asking if she can bring a friend to her next killing. What is it, Jimbo? I think I'm going to have to award no points for that. Victor, do do you remember it now? Can you re-ask the question, please? Okay, so this is not for a point, all right? Victor, sure. Victor yeah, yeah. Gave, it's just for bragging rights. Yeah. Uh, Villanelle's boss reprimands her for her two previous killings. How did Villanelle respond? You know what's funny? I've had the pilot just looping while we're doing this entire podcast. Uh- <laughs> no fucking idea. <laughs> okay. She asked him, have you had a haircut? <laughs> oh. Nice. And he says yes. And then he keeps on reprimanding her. <laughs> that was yeah. such a great scene. Wow. He also touches it a couple times, which is also <laughs> like just good acting choices. And then and then he also says he also said uh 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 you left a hair clip at the scene. And she says, It's okay, I have another. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. she's awesome. Okay. So no no point. We're moving on to question number four. And this is going to be another um, closest answer wins. Bill and Eve bet 20 quid on if the assassin is a man or a woman. How much is 20 quid in U.S. dollars? Closest answer will get the point. Drew. 23 American dollars. Good guess. Victor, would you like to come in and go for the steal? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, man. 22? Ooh, poor dickhead move there, Victor. It's actually uh-huh. twenty. It's as of yesterday when I checked this out. It's about twenty six dollars and thirteen cents. Drew's gonna get that point. Ah, oh, I totally got set up there. Bold, making bold moves. Wow. Going into question number five. This one's gonna be a little longer um, setup for this question. Okay, and let's to make it interesting to to avoid the tiebreaker. Let's make this worth two points. Kind of fucks me over, Jimbo. <laughs> it doesn't really matter that I had that commanding lead. I would, I would let me set this up a bit, okay? Okay. All right. So, according to Hare's psychopathy checklist, okay, this is a this is a twenty question checklist, and they give each question either zero, one, or two points for a possible forty points. Okay, a character like Ted Bundy scored a thirty nine on this on this psychopathy test. All right. The question is, is Villanelle considered a psychopath by U.S. standard, which would needs a score of 30? And because I wasn't able to qualify her in every single one of the 20 questions, I prorated it based off of the questions I felt I could answer strongly. So, okay, so it's two parts out, out of 40. What is Villanelle's score out of 40, which I prorated? And is she considered a psychopath by U.S. standards. Come on. <laughs> Go ahead, Victor. It, 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 it's just, just before I answer, is 30 the limit? Is 30 the, whether or not someone's... 40, a... okay, so so a number between 0 and 40. 
But thirty is the threshold for being a psycho in America. Thirty, threshold. thirty, okay. yeah. And and I have I have prorated her score to meet a score of forty. I'm doing this solely on logic that I've just talked to you guys for the past hour or so. I feel like you wouldn't be asking that question if she was. Therefore, twenty five, and she's not. Ooh, buzz. Yes, Ooh. Drew. Thirty, and she is. Drew's going to take that point. Congratulations, <laughs> sir. You finally, you finally. <laughs> Working your way Woo! back up the ranks. Four and three. I'm a, I'm a working man's Batar trivia. So I gave her a 36 Whoa. out of 40. Whoa. She's a super psychopath. And we can go through these questions. These were, you know, I don't recall the exact date of, of this publication, but but I'll toss it in the show notes. I think this was created in the 60s or 70s. So let's just go through some, some of these questions. And there was five of the questions I, I could not answer because we, we just didn't have the information in the... Excuse me, in in the pilot. And I'll just call them 1 through 20. Number one, do you exhibit su- superficial charm? So, of course, she d- I, I, I gave her that sure. one two points. Yeah. Do you have a grandiose estima- estimation of self? And I gave her that. Yeah. Do you have constant need for stimulation? I gave her that one. Yeah. Are three you a people. pathological liar? I actually gave her a score of zero on that. As far oh. as I could tell, she doesn't lie to anyone in the whole pilot. So, so on that one, I gave her a zero. Maybe that child. No, she didn't lie to him. She, she straight up said, I'm going to kill your grandfather. And she said, I'm going to eat you. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I guess you're right. <laughs> that was a joke. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Okay. So, um, are you cunning and manipulative? Yeah. Sure. Do you lack remorse or guilt? So, yeah, I gave her both of those ones. Do you have shallow effect? And this, I, this, when I looked it up more specifically, I think it was talking about, um, superficial emotional responsiveness and so i gave her that one okay do you do you lack empathy i gave her that one do you have a parasitic lifestyle and when i looked up that one that is specifically like economics like are you living off of other people so that's so that so that one i gave her a score of zero she's very financially independent absolutely yeah it seems so yeah do you have poor behavioral controls i definitely gave her that one are you sexually promiscuous? Definitely gave her that one. Yeah. Do you display early behavioral problems? I mean, I'm assuming she probably did, but I have no way to answer that question, so so I didn't count that one. Do you lack realistic long-term goals? I also avoided that one. Yeah. Are you overly impulsive? I gave her two points for that. Are you irresponsible? I gave her two points for that. Do you fail to accept responsibility for your own actions? I I think I gave her two points for that as well because she kind of she's making a joke like every time like he tries it yeah yeah have you had many short-term marital relationships and i'm not sure if they actually mean like maritals and like actually being legally married or not i would say definitely not because she she wants to bring someone to play with and then we see her in bed with three people so i'm assuming she's never had a relationship you know i didn't answer sounds like you're trying to lower the score there victor it's 36. <laughs> I didn't count that. I didn't count that one. Right. Yeah, but yeah, touche, t- Victor. And then um, 18, do you have a history of juvenile delinquency? I would assume she does, but but I couldn't answer that one for sure. And then have you experienced a, a revocation of conditional release? I couldn't give her that one either, and I think that counts for both maybe mental – like that's obviously like a – some some type of a system, you know. So, and the last one was: Do you s- display criminal versatility, which she definitely does. So, sure. So, I thought this list was really interesting. It's almost like watching the pilot. It's almost like someone was aware of this list and threw her in bed with those people just to like give her a higher score. Sure. 
Sure. And then I also think it's interesting in um Victor, I, I, I would recommend taking a look at this list. I don't think Dexter qualifies as a psychopath. I think there's a lot of these things that Dex like like I would even argue that Dexter has empathy. He he doesn't think he has normal emotions, but he definitely he definitely has remorse like when he first time he kills an innocent person. He definitely has feelings for kids and things like that. So I would like I kind of went through like in my head and I don't think I got up to 30 points for Dexter. Hmm, interesting. If you took it from yeah. the pilot versus let's say the next season, the season 2 premiere, those questions would be answered way differently and they would go from yes, definitely. you know, from a from a Jimbo score uh from a Drew score to a Victor score for sure. And then, so I think I think this about wraps up the wraps up Petard trivia. Drew came in, redeemed himself. Yes. Victor had a very valiant effort. Victor, I needed it. I I yeah, really needed. Yeah, this. that that was very kind of you, Victor. You, you definitely, you know, you definitely could have, you know, answering first yeah. for Drew. That was huge, hiding, man. Hiding you know, taking that moves. last question first. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I had a plan. I was gonna say I was very much tempted to just buzz in and say thirty three and be bold, be like fuck you, go above me. To be fair to the listeners, uh, the guy sent me just sort of a rundown of the Google Docs and, you know, just sort of, you know, just going through the segments and whatnot. And there is a note here that says what well, kind of stars around it. Let Drew win trivia. Yes. So, yeah. uh- <laughs> so. Well, underneath it in parentheses, it says, do not mention this section. <laughs> nice. All right. So I think we are ready to uh, close up the shop. And you know what, listeners? This is becoming a common thread now. We are not sure what we are going to dive into next week. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned. Follow our blog so you can participate in our pre-recording discussions. We would also like to give the proper respect to Jake Drew, who mixed our intro and outro music. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram. You can join our Facebook group. You can follow Drew, author of the Get Off, Your, Get Off My Lawn segment of But Why Though. And I'll put a link to that. And uh, also, we're featured on the But Why Though website. So if you came through there, check it out. There's other good stuff. But if not, you can go see them. They're cool. And we would like to give Victor a chance to plug his podcast. Did, now, Victor, did you have did you have a second podcast of Six Feet Under? Yes, we actually originally started with Six Feet Under. Uh, I'm a funeral director. So to sort of Whoa. insert myself into the podcast game, I thought it would be cool to do a podcast on Six Feet Under, speaking from a, a funeral director's perspective. Uh, somewhere along the line, I, I always wanted to keep podcasting, didn't know what, and sort of led way into my love-hate relationship with the show Dexter and sort of the the, 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 the gimmick of our podcast, if I could say that, is my co-host, my girlfriend Marissa, has never seen the show. So most people by this point has seen the show. So we do a lot of, you know... We know what's coming. She doesn't. And just to put yourself back in those shoes, you know, don't you wish you could go back in time and watch Breaking Bad, having not seen how it ends? If you guys seen have seen Breaking Bad, you know. Um, so we kind of play with that with Marissa having never seen Dexter. Nice. And, wh- and where can they find those podcasts if they're interested? We are both on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. I'm assuming all the big podcast networks. Uh, Digging Six Feet Under for obviously the Six Feet Under one. And Digging Dexter for Dexter. We are in the middle of season two. And we are on social media, uh, Instagram and Twitter, at Digging Podcast. And again, our Facebook groups are same thing, Digging Six Feet Under or Digging Dexter. And yeah, hit me up on there if you have... uh, 
if you want to add to this show, uh, I we, we like to think we do a good job of, uh, um, you know, reviewing an episode. But as you guys probably f- know, uh, you'll always kind of miss out on one little tiny thing. Um, so it's always cool yeah, to have sure. listeners, listeners just chime in and just say, hey, this was wrong or this not whatever. Uh, and I do uh, <laughs> Jimbo, I do a hell of a lot. I don't know if you've picked this up. But I do a hell of a lot nitpicking on Dexter to the point yes. where I have to tailor myself. Um, so it's just kind of cool to see people disagree or agree with me. Um, so yeah, check us out if you like Dexter or Six Feet Under. Yeah, and I'll have all and I'll have links to at least those two podcasts on the show notes. So you you can click on that and and find yourself there. Awesome, thank you. And hoisters, the show is officially over. But if you love us as much as we love us, we're gonna stick around for maybe a couple more minutes. This is the shop talk. Victor, like uh, back in the day, Jimbo and I would stay on and just kind of talk about like if the episode was good or not. And so we started recording that and putting it on. And you would be surprised like what what gets on the shop talk and also who all listens and whatnot. What up, Ben from Delaware? I got a text from your wife today. And that's how they found out that uh, we're having another girl. So I was like, not only is Ben a faithful listener, he's a shop talk listener too. Yeah, dude massive respect to ben and yeah we also uh oh and, and thanks victor for uh, coming thanks, on that was cool. on somewhat short short notice jumping in there sure and uh yeah man you definitely added some some great insight no it was a lot of a lot of fun and uh actually the shop talk it really started because every time drew and i stopped recording we had these <laughs> the magnificent <best>. conversations <laughs> dude and i was like dude we gotta we gotta record that stuff sure but there's just something magical about when you stop recording that that you can just never really capture always sometimes we're like also having our little like pre-chats and i gotta like cut things off be like guys this is gold this is why are we come on <laughs> turn the recorders on so pre-chats post-chats shop talk nice now okay so so i also tweeted victor about um and i already forgot the name but what's what's that new series with uh michael C. oh Hall? it's called safe on netflix safe, safe. yeah safe so Vic- Victor said that that was worth watching just just for Michael C. Hall's British accent. Is he British in real life? No, no he's, he's playing a British person. Oh, that hardly person. ever goes well. British people affecting an American accent usually does better than Americans do the British accent. Although I hate Doctor Strange for that very reason. Like that that is that bugs me about that movie to this day. I do not like Benedict Cumberbatch's American accent. Hey. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, forgive me here, but I just watched Doctor Strange, and it sounded like you were a really big fan of the Marvel movie universe. Um, I would say I'm more on the MCU side than the DCEU side. Oh, okay, okay. Because my, my, my thing was, and I'm assuming everyone here has watched Infinity War. Jimbo, did you see it? Yeah, okay. I saw it. Yeah, cool. I had a big gripe with the movie after it ended, and it's sort of I didn't know it was part one of two, uh-huh. and I walked oh, away. I, I didn't know that either. Pissed. Because you knew it, this is huge spoiler if you haven't seen Infinity War, so definitely turn this off. Um, how it ends, you know that's not how it ends, and it's the first movie that felt like it had a lot of stakes to it, and I feel like it was like such a cop out at the end. You know what I mean? Yeah, I thought it was just a ball, a blockbuster, it made a bunch of money. That's what it was supposed to do. I thought the movie was not very good. I do follow some blogs that like take that take like movie set pictures and talk about like what it possibly means and whatnot. And like Marvel and Disney just went so far out of their way to like walk back 
the idea that like originally the Avengers three and four movies were named Infinity War Part One and Infinity War Part Two, and then they were like, oh, we're walking it back, and Avengers Episode Four titles hasn't been released yet. And I was too naive um, because yeah, like to me the movie ended abruptly because I was like, oh, I thought there was going to be more, um, and like that was kind of cool. You know, I my issue especially with, like Guardians Two is I want to be surprised and I want to be engaged as a viewer, but when the storytelling um, beats aren't hit, like if I can't tell it's the third act, then that does kind of lessen my enjoyment, you know? So, I mean, I do still enjoy traditional storytelling. I like the Thanos ending. In fact, I wish they just stopped making Marvel movies now. Like that's a good, that's a good way to do it. <laughs> to to, to reset the... them. Reset. That's what, that's what I, well, you know what? That's what I thought this movie was going to be. And that's why I thought basically the characters who, I don't want to spoil it despite the fact I said no spoilers, but. Spoil it, dude. Yeah, it's it's fine. fine, dude. If, 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 Hoisters, if you, if you haven't seen Infinity Wars yet and you care, you should have stopped listening a long time ago. Yeah, this is, this is on you now at this point because there's been plenty uh, of, 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 of warning. I thought the movie Infinity War going it, I thought this was when they, Split the team up where, you know, how many more Iron Man, how many more Captain America movies can you have? I thought this was going to be the new the new route where Spider-Man and Black Panther and whatnot were going to be the, the faces. And I thought they were going to kill off. Well, I think a lot of people thought that and were saying that because of the contracts and whatnot. But they do. Right, right, right. Like Robert Downey Jr. did sign a new contract, which extended him. But Chris Evans is ready to walk away. and Chris Hemsworth did sign a new contract. I'd be down for more Thor movies. I I did like Ragnarok. I liked how it was like very weird, and yeah, definitely the first two Thor movies I did not like. I think the first one's kind of underrated. Like it's not as bad as people say because some people just think Thor two sucks so bad they don't remember that Thor one was kind of okay and stylistically interesting. Yeah, I think I just kind of like believed Marvel a little bit too much, and then when it was over, I was like, oh, <laughs> that makes sense. They're a year apart. Of course, they're sequels. And of course, like the stakes yeah. are low. I want some of the characters who died early to stay dead because um, I feel like their characters' journeys are over. But yeah, I mean, I can I I read a pretty cool article about comparing like Infinity War to Last Jedi, and what they were basically saying was that one movie challenged the audience and kind of changed their perception of like what it was they were doing, and the other movie kind of like let people off with the idea that they changed the stakes, but they hadn't actually done it. And so the movie that did kind of like change the expectations was Last Jedi and the movie that still pushed the status quo was Infinity War. And like the article was just talking about one was better accepted from a fandom than the other. That's a whole nother discussion about Last Jedi and what it means to like the Star Wars um, um, aura, trilogy, saga, whatever you want to call it. Um, I had something that I found out today. So the budget for Infinity War. You know, it was four hundred million. Do you know what Robert Downey Jr. got paid for that movie? Did he get points on the back end, or is is it like a flat amount? He got he. Uh, I'm assuming he got flat out from the number he got paid for that movie. Uh huh. So, so the budget was four hundred million. Yeah. Did he get forty? <laughs> How about he got half of that? He got twenty million. Yeah. No. He got two hundred million. Okay, two hundred million. Yeah. He got so, half uh, the budget. Well, I mean, then that sounds like you got points on the back end, because like, because like that's the thing about Jack Nicholson being the highest paid actor right, in Hollywood history, because he took points on the back end of Batman and it was tremendously successful. I don't think 
like Downey Jr. got like that as a flat because I think Tom Cruise is still the highest paid flat actor because I think he gets like 35 million a Mission Impossible ish. That'd be something interesting to look into, but that sounds like he got points on the back end. That's interesting. Good for you, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, I, I know, right? Like, think about that. Uh, you know, does anyone have a better comeback in Hollywood than that guy? Good for you. <laughs> Good for you, U.S. government. Probably getting about ninety-three million of that two hundred million dollars. <laughs> Dude, check this out. Robert Robert Downey Jr. got fifty million for a, the Avengers two thousand twelve movie. 75 for 2015 Age of Ultron uh-huh. and then 200 million in Infinity War. That wow. is insane. Rumored, rumored, but I guess remains. Well, that's like Johnny Depp buying an island kind of money. Make sure you pay your taxes. Ask Wesley Snipes. How well how many islands did did Wesley Snipes buy? He didn't. He just evaded taxes <laughs> and so they went and like oh, that's took too all bad. shit. Yeah. Didn't even get any islands out of it. Yes. All right, gentlemen, I I got to get going. Let's do it. Every day we hoistle in, Jimbo out. Every day we hoistle in, Drew out. Something clever. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs>